I guess the, the one thing we haven't really talked about is, you know, we, we brought up Legion. We haven't talked about this crazy, you know, scheme that Rap and Kennedy come up with to to find and ultimately flip Legion. The basic of it is uh, they decide to recruit uh, Claudia Lookalike in, in Sadie and have BB, BB Kincaid. Again, another call, Sadie and, and BB are two callbacks, yes. characters, these quirky characters that, that Kyle has, bringing them back. Uh, going back to South Africa, they're gonna they're gonna redo the house, with the hopes that all right they can essentially use Sadie as bait, leaving a, a Claudia in quotes out there, and be able to get him. And the whole time I'm thinking, the one thing I did like about it was this idea of like, how the hell are they gonna be able to, to figure it out? You know, like it was almost like a murder mystery. You know, and then then once we get that reveal of of you know them going to the hospital. Rap gets them, and then Rap has, you know, I I, I forget her name, um, the the one of, of the trio, the assassin, Sira, yeah, uh, Sira, and she's like, "How did you do it?" And then he, you know, lays it out like, you know, uh, I don't know, like a knives out type ending, or or, or, or what is it, um, Puro? What's the Agatha? Oh, Agatha, uh, Agatha Christie. Christie yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, her her Hercule Hercule Poirot, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, laying it out, you know, or Sherlock, very Sherlock Holmesian, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is we we never actually ate the food. We have rats, and, and you know, we we they wouldn't touch it, so we knew that we had a plan. Like all that was like cool in a sense, but I don't know. Again, we I've already said this, but I thought that this whole Legion part was sort of the weakest aspect of the book. The Sadie going freaking psycho insane almost like feeling like she was or had this idea that she was claudia yeah um was was weird and strange um i don't know what did you think about you know this whole legion plot and and with sadie and bb yeah i'd say maybe again the weakest part of the book but it, it all checks out in the end and when the hospital scene goes down that was really exciting so I'm wondering at the hospital scene, did they just all of a sudden recover from the E. coli and, and these bugs yeah. that they had? Like, And then he explains how they – well, and, and here's why it makes sense, right? Legion is set up to be a completely different type of killer, right? Where Mitch Rapp can understand, plan for, and get ahead of your traditional assassin. Because Mitch is – sometimes his best quality is saying, what would I do in this situation? Right. So I had to get a hit on this house and this compound. How would I plan it? The problem is he's well aware Legion is of a totally new generation and all of their kills in the past, like the stampede. Right. They bring up how they got a guy's own cattle to to kill him in a stampede. They think outside the box and they do things so unexpected that are not traditional. And so to me, I think that really makes sense for for rap to not have to go against them you know hand to hand or not try to you know stop a shooter or an ambush on the house already been done but the whole thing with the lettuce i thought was really smart because that's how legion was set up to operate they're going to analyze the situation find a vulnerability so out there you won't even see what's coming rap even says something like they'll take someone at risk of a stroke and they'll replace all their medicine with sugar pills they won't have to do anything but they'll just wait it out and he'll die of a stroke because he's not getting the proper medicine and we'll never know, you know, like you'll never see them coming type of kills. And so when the lettuce thing happened, I was okay with it. 
combine that with B.B. Kincaid's idiosyncrasies, the way she is set up to be this complete OCD maniac and has this amazing memory, it all made sense to me that she would be able to interpret a strange lady standing at the lettuce that I've never seen shop here before. Something's out of the ordinary. Heightened alert. And that B.B. Kincaid is not out of the blue, like you said. And actually, Chris, I think there's some trivia here. She was in the first ever scene Kyle wrote for the series. The opening, the opening of, the Survivor. of Survivor, right? Right. In Istanbul. Yeah. She's tracking somebody, I think, along with Scott Coleman on the streets. She might have been in the very first sentence Kyle ever wrote in the series, in fact. so Yeah, having, they're tracking one of the assets, right? Yeah. 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 So having her around and, and you know, doing BB things uh, makes sense to me. And, and by the way, here's a little description of her. <laughs> BB Kincaid was yet another misfit, a former FBI agent with an honest-to-God photographic memory that combined with the fact that she was overweight, middle-aged, and blessed with extraordinarily unmemorable features had made her the best surveillance operative in the business. The problem? Her inability to forget made it increasingly difficult for her to differentiate recent memories from distant ones, and that was driving her slowly insane. <laughs> Gotta love Baby Kincaid. <laughs> yeah, we say quirky, but uh, it's, a, it's a bag of misfits. Like Kyle has these characters that are just a, a bag of misfits, and I like it. That's why I, I like uh, what Enemy of the State, you know, where like you bring together all these, you know, characters right. of, you know, these misfit toys, uh, misfit assassins. and Donatello, you know, baby. Together. Yeah. Yeah. That's where like he sort of changes Donatello a little bit into this like quirky, you know, character. Yeah. Yeah. So Sadie, we, we saw her before in very briefly in Total Power, right? She's like one of the two who go into the house and, and, and ultimately, you know, help Mitch get one of the, the 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 killers right who are gonna take out one of the units. It, from that scene I, I, I should have went back and read her description. I didn't get the sense that she was this like schizophrenic crazy. Right. But now like like Kyle has given her uh and Mitch knows that she's fucking insane. <laughs> um I don't know, what did you think of Sadie? <laughs> okay. Sadie's bizarre and we know it's a Kyleism. He wants to write the quirky characters. And I'm actually really, really glad this happens because it, it almost saves that total power scene, which I thought was one of the most... You were down on. I thought it was ridiculous, yeah. I thought that scene was just so ridiculous. But looking back and now knowing that was Sadie Hansen, it makes so right. much more it, sense. It makes more sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Right. Yeah. And even says she was critical in you know resolving a devastating attack on America's power grid. So another reference to a prior book. and. This backstory enhances that reference, you know, or what happened. I guess it's this flash forward enhances what happened back then. But yeah, listen to this. Sadie is described, and just again, Kyle's writing. This is this is really, really, you know, colorful language here. Sadie was a young, beautiful psychopath who also suffered from manic depression, possibly a touch of Asperger's, and a compulsion for shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> to throw that in in the same sentence, Asperger's manic compression, a manic depression, and a compulsion for shoplifting. On the other hand, she also had the best situational awareness Rap had ever seen, and seemed impervious to fear or panic, but more in a suicidal way than a courageous one. Like Kyle, Kyle, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, she's the perfect perfect character for this job. You know, being willing to be used as bait. 
I just thought it was, it was at times it was hilarious. Just this idea, especially like George, like fucking George Goodell. What what a treasure! Oh yeah, nails it. You know, starting to blend her into essentially like you think like he's reading it as if she is Claudia, right? Yeah. And because I guess if you were reading this just yourself, like maybe you, you know you don't you don't fully embrace this idea that she is going. She believes at the end that she is Claudia. Oh like, yeah, you know, and it's slowly slipping as it goes further and further, and she is psychopathic, schizophrenic, insane. And I, I guess it's just I was laughing so much at the scenes, like that maybe like it was just like this is, this is so outrageous, so crazy. But yeah, no, I I did in the end in, enjoy it. I thought it was funny. I, 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 like you know, it was it was a nice little piece to, to the story. I don't know. I just felt like Legion. Well, I, you brought up a good point that the fact that there, there's new age, different killer rap's going to have to treat it differently. And I think that makes sense to why we saw for the second half of this book or second two thirds of this book, rap and Kennedy have to operate in new ways. And yes. we have to, we, we're essentially seeing them solve their problems. Um, unlike we have seen them in, in previous books. So, and it's, Really funny because when we found out that Legion operates that way and they kind of have to have some surveillance on this house, I actually thought of B.B. Kincaid before she was even brought up. I was like, that's funny. If you're going to have to watch out for an assassin who's going to come get you and you're putting bait out there, you want B.B. Kincaid watching. And and I had thought of her. I don't remember how much in advance. And then when she came in, I was like, my mind got there. So Kyle was tapping into something with that. Yeah, and um, Sadie's Descent into Madness. I was just thinking, like, those scenes where she kind of, she wants to sleep with rap, and all those conversations just, they're really, really strange, and it does make sense that she would become Claudia, and then pull the knife on rap in that fight, and even though she's a trained assassin, she could attack rap with the knife in a tactical way, but she doesn't. She approaches him as if she's Claudia, like just having a domestic argument with him. She doesn't even fully charge him with a knife. She kind of walks up to him with a knife. She's almost dropping who she is. And, and it's kind of like Homeland, which, you know, maybe is a trope of this crazy woman with these problems, but it makes you feel like when you're fighting someone like Legion, you might need that. You might need someone who's outside of the box, who's doing thinking, acting differently than a regular trained assassin would. And so, rap bb and sadie in this house is bizarre but again it's you, you gotta adapt and you gotta think of different unique ways to read the battlefield and respond and that's quite a team rap and kennedy assembled there definitely one other thing about legion uh and maybe this was a letdown did you feel they even needed to have three people like nazarene and yasmin i i guess they were like intelligence or like the eye in the sky and Siraz the like operations person did you really need that triangle it just felt a little random yeah i felt like they weren't the them as a trilogy wasn't used that well Agreed. in order to justify the fact that legion needed to be this this trifecta of women in the beginning it was like oh this is a cool concept where i thought each of them were 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 assassins and gonna or gonna play it wasn't 
it wasn't explained until later that you know the two never left their computers or, or wherever they were um and that only one of them actually did the you know the wet work yeah it, it just lent to if it was used more or if they actually played more of a role instead of this you know almost like rap ends up turning using them as pawns or he pawns the one off because that that's why they agree to you know ultimately take it's almost like a, a MacGuffin, right a means to an end to get to ultimately get her to flip if she's a solo person by herself maybe she wouldn't flip she would just you know be resigned to die but the fact that it's a you know a triumvirate that all three of them need to you know the other two are like, oh, no, no, we're definitely going to take it because we want you to live type thing. You know, maybe that's that's where it comes in. But, yeah, I would agree with you that it just it made it a little bit complicated and a little bit unnecessary. Yeah, the one time that redeemed itself, which also had this, like, creepy factor, was when they were planning how they might have to use Anna if it should come to it. Like, yeah. the other two, I think, could do that kind of stuff while she was on the ground watching rap, Sira. The other two could be like tracking people and and they actually do take Amala's phone, you know, Anna's friend and put spyware on it and they're listening to her conversation. So that was the one time it was kind of redeemed like, OK, maybe this three person model is working because you need the ops people, the surveillance people, the spy people. And, you know, so maybe that made sense. I just feel like it, they could have been used a little bit more to figure out why. They have to be the team of three. But yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. One of those areas, we, there was a little meat left on the bone that we could have, we could have gotten, you could have fleshed out. I, this book needed like 50 more pages. And it would have, it would have easily been in my top, you know, approaching top five. I, I think those 50 pages could have come at very smart, like, times like surgical like insert here we talked about guatemala now we're talking about legion wanting to know what the other two girls in legion are doing and nick, then some more nick ward some more nick ward talking with kennedy and dude some more of that joe maslick with the sniper scene that was <laughs> yeah that was awesome. a funny scene we got to talk about that okay yeah, yeah, yeah. that was oh on so many levels it was super cool because it was badass but then it was also just being smart because that's how rap and kennedy often win they're smarter than their opponent. And that plan by Rap, which actually pissed off Kennedy, because again, she wants to be diplomatic. She's trying to build the truth. Yes. A truce. She says, Mitch, you literally just reignited the war when we were kind of settling in or trying to get towards detente. You just gave Anthony Cook a reason to come back at you. And Rap's like, I don't give a fuck. I want him scared. I want him cowering. I want him in the corner so that he has no chance of ever having a political life again. If I can't kill him, I want to destroy him. And I thought that was so smart. So I guess there's there's two things I, I want to wrap up with here that we haven't touched up about at all. One is like sort of minor, the other one's bigger. Um, the minor one is is we haven't talked about Darren Hargrave at all. I didn't know if you wanted to comment on him. And and then the second one is the our other trifecta of rap, Claudia and Anna. Right. And we have yet to sort of discuss their dynamic how this affected them going forward. You mentioned the, the passage at the end, they can all go home safely. You know, what do we think about the three of them as, as a unit? Um, do you want to talk about either of those or, or are you good? Yeah. 
I think we have to do a, a lengthy discussion on Claudia and Anna being per- perhaps the most important part of this book. So I, I think that's going to take some time. So just to wrap up the Darren Hargrave stuff, you know, kind of wrap up the cooks in the White House situation. I'm kind of glad he faded. I think he came on so strong. And rightfully so. Interesting. I think rightfully so. Yeah. He came on so strong. And then what's telling is what Catherine said. This is how politics works. You, Anthony, let Darren whip you up into a frenzy. He got he got off on you and your love fest together. He got off on having all this access to you, you beefing up security. He got all the budget he wanted. He he made the CIA he wanted. He got all the power. But then he burned you. So I like that he kind of disappeared into the shadows because it's so – he burned Anthony Cook. He made him go down this rabbit hole of paranoia. He essentially got off on it. He accumulated and took over the CIA with it. And then as Catherine says, he just left you to fucking stand there with your pants down. You know, like I I thought that was really telling when she said that to him. Yeah, interesting. I wanted like one chapter – him in his mind i wanted to to settle the score about like what he truly wanted from you know it's sort of hinted at that they had this relationship going on i thought it would have been interesting to see if we could like you know maybe it's after like one of the blunders or whatever after he captures joe maslick you know we just we have an internal conversation with him or with an aide where we're discussing his true motives. I mean, I guess we sort of know and it's inferred his true motives, but I don't know. I just, I wondered a little bit more. I felt like, you know, maybe if we had a a couple more chapters, we would have gotten him and his, from his own perspective that fleshed out a little bit more, but I would agree with you that it made complete sense that he would, you know, sort of fade into the background and we would not see him anymore. You know, not, in the end, a super important character, but um, definitely an interesting one. So, yeah. I think when it comes to, uh, you know, rap, Claudia, and Anna, I, I like the, the dynamic that we got. Like, we got a little bit more of each of them in this book. It's been slowly building. You know, Kyle likes to play in this realm. You know, I, I like that we sort of talked about in part one, this conversation between Rap and Claudia about how, you know, whose fault is it that, that they're in the situation? And we've sort of settled the score of the fact that they both sort of have signed up for this together. And that's the only way that they can truly go forward is to understand that they are work way better as a team than they will ever work separately. Um, I think you see that in the end, you know, ultimately, you know, Claudia is not the one who puts herself out as a pawn, but... Claudia is instrumental in, in sort of setting this up and, and obviously helps rap throughout the entire book. And I also like the, you know, the, the rap father dynamic. I, I, I hope that continues. I, I'm interested. I hope Anna, you know, stays, you know, doesn't, doesn't take the route of a Tommy. You know, we find out no Tommy's in college now. Um, you know, you know, I, I like this, you know, fatherly dynamic and it, it, it helps Mitch grow it, and we see Anna grow and we, we see this, you know, family come together more. Dude, absolutely want to pick up on that family dynamic and this deep emotional moment when Claudia tells Mitch he's been a great father to Anna. Like, she says it. She puts it out there. Because that's a huge part, I would say, of Rap's 
internal conflict for a long time is how he's affecting Claudia and Anna and their safety, but also how he almost doesn't feel sufficient to be that person. And he, he stumbles and doesn't know what to say and is always struggling with how he, he deals with Anna. And I've loved Kyle playing that out. And it all really comes to a head here where Claudia can validate everything he's done. And I think that that quote is really going to allow him to internalize it and feel like he's worthy. And he's a dad. Like Mitch is getting to be a dad that he never was ever since his unborn baby died with Anna in the explosion. Uh, So I actually want to do justice to this. There's a really lengthy, what I would call a soliloquy when Claudia says this. And I found it so powerful. I'm a little disappointed we waited this long to talk about Claudia because she's such a main, important person and, and Anna. But I, I think I want to make up for that with a reading here, if you don't mind. There's a, there's a lot in this book. So, like, you know, we if we're not spending enough time on each thing, it's just, it's, it's, there, there is a lot jam-packed in, in, in such a short book. Oh, absolutely. But... Listen to this. This is Claudia's soliloquy and a few times where she just has to sit down Mitch and and tell him what's going on. You know, like mansplaining? There's a few times Claudia's just got to womansplain things to Mitch and they're often really brilliant. They're they're brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) And and if if we said Vince had a woman problem, like writing his female characters – I think Kyle has proven that he's more than up to the task with some of the dialogue and the words he's putting into his his female characters. And, and this, to me, is the height of it, what Claudia says here. Quote, I have some things to say, Mitch, and I need you to let me say them without interrupting. He nodded silently. I'm as good as dead, Mitch. Even if I stay here, Legion will eventually get to me. Maybe it will take a year. Maybe it will take ten. Or maybe they're excavating beneath us right now, so the next time it rains, I'll die in a mudslide. And I know you'd do anything to protect me. But even you can't kill what you can't see. Second, I know you blame yourself for this, but you shouldn't. Every day, I've woken up after what happened to your wife. Every one of those days has been a gift. I finally found the love of my life in you, and I've gotten to spend time with Anna that I didn't deserve. Now... On to more practical things. The good news is that there's never any collateral damage in Legion's operations, so you and Anna are safe. The problem is that while we still might not have proof solid enough for Irene, we both know that the cooks are behind this. We also know they aren't going to let it go. Their security will never be perfect, so they know they'll never be safe until you're dead. If something happened to me, I decided to leave Anna with you. You've become such a good father, and you need something to keep you busy in your old age. The truth is, you need her as much as she needs you. Yeah, that was great. Dude. Oh, I love that. Uh, uh, that was really great. Again, another another sign of the great writing in this book. Yeah. And, and then that's immediately followed up by, if something does happen, they got to talk to Maggie Nash, seeing if she could be there for yeah. Anna. Woof. Can you imagine that? That's a rough conversation to have because they're like at one point, right? They're thinking about just sending Anna with her like right now, right? Right, right. They might have to. If, if they if they have to be out there for, you know, 
longer than a year because you know at, there is a portion of this book where they're they're on the run right they're 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 hiding a portion of the book the, the entire book well yeah but no but i'm saying there's a portion of the book where they are literally you know they escape when the point where they escape from their south Nicholas Ward's, um south uh no from uganda and oh and have to go off the grid the before rap goes to legion yeah yeah, yeah yeah the elephant ride right 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 Oh, here's another good line. So I'm just still on that conversation. It's so haunting. Rap's not allowed to talk during this. So he says, can I speak now? Yes. You're talking like you just got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. No. People survive pancreatic cancer. No one's ever survived Legion. No one's ever survived me either. Irene's going to figure out how to get these assholes, and I'm going to put a bullet in them. And after that, I'm going to see Anthony Cook off in a big state funeral. I, I just love that. No one's ever survived Legion. Yeah, well, no one's ever survived me either. Badass Mitch, baby. So Mitch. So Mitch. People, again, people who have any criticism about a, quote, domestic Mitch, because he has to listen to Claudia, you know, like, whatever. You're so wrong. You're completely wrong. It, it, it's still Mitch, and this, this family side of him enhances who he is. Because I think there's a strain of fans out there who are like, I just want to see Mitch in the field killing people. And I'm like, no, I want to see Mitch having to deal with being a father to Anna and what that looks like, having to deal with burdening Claudia that he thinks he's responsible for her. Like, I want to see Mitch grow in those roles and the family dynamic. And I'm, I'm so glad Kyle has done it because I do think there are a few people out there who are like, you know, one criticism of this book could be Mitch didn't really do anything. Yeah, if you're thinking he's the Mitch of executive power of red war yeah of course he didn't but it's a whole new age yeah no well said oh well, i think i i think uh i think we should wrap up our book discussion there what do you think there mike yeah i think that's the book i did want to do want to pick up bring up a few things you know just kind of we went through the story we went through the main arcs I, I don't want to nitpick per se, but I have a few issues that were left unaddressed. Okay. And then I do have just a few questions to to leave out there about how things are. The first one. Do you think Anna has been through so much trauma already? We're going to have to see the adverse effects of this. Am I right? Like Claudia mentions we're going to have to homeschool. And then they say if she's ever seeing kids her own age or her peer group and her past comes up. We don't know what she'll say. Do you think Anna has to play a big role in the next book and just the things she's been through? It has to be addressed, I feel, no? Uh, I think addressed in like a very small way. I, I, I don't see it going to like, we're not going to have, what, what was that series, Hannah, where, you know, the father trains her, her daughter to be a, a CIA assassin. I don't think we're going down that route. Or having her, you know, act out in, in any sort of way. I mean, I can see like small scenes where she is acting out and then it has to be explained away with the fact that she's been through this much. But yeah, I don't, I don't see it being too big of a, a part. Okay. Sort okay. Of going forward. Well, let me ask you Just, this. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking sort of, sort of uh, realistically in what I think we will see. Okay. I got you. Now, kind of the opposite question. I was dig. I was looking for a little bit more action or places you could have upped the ante a little bit. There were stakes in this book and big personal stakes for Mitch and the people we love. 
But to up the ante a little bit, give the book a little bit more urgency, would you have liked to see Legion be more aggressive towards Anna? Because they do say she's the weak spot if we need to use her. They do tap Amala's phone, which is kind of creepy in like this background sense. But how would you have felt if she was taken? Or they did break her arm? Or do you think there was an opportunity there to really up the ante and the urgency of this book and kick into gear some immediate action that we, we would have needed? Yeah, I thought that was an interesting like plot that Kyle sort of left on the floor that I would have been intrigued to see. I don't want to see her get taken, right? Yes. Like, that would have been insane. But just something to, to up the game. Yeah, you would have had to seen Mitch in this mode where he has to get you know we, we saw him when he was had to get irene back you know but now it's anna you know exactly it's like completely different uh that would have been interesting to see yeah no, i i agree with that like protect and but he, he does sort of he does comment on it and then ultimately decides like oh no that's that's even too far for us um type thing but again you know that that could have been i guess what i wanted more if you're asking what i wanted more with the play up of to add in more action the back and forth between legion i, I could have thought could have lasted another couple chapters you know it, it didn't have to be there could have been multiple times where either rap foils them or or rap doesn't catch them and then they but i guess ultimately that that doesn't lead to what kyle ends up doing where where rap gets the best of them and they again have no idea who the hell he is he they just think he's this this guy who's married to claudia who happens to be this former assassin's girlfriend the fact that like all right, let's not. Why don't we look for a little bit further into who this guy is? Yes, he's dated. He's dating the former wife of Louis Gould, who was also a crazy assassin. Maybe right. this guy, you know, do 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 former wives of, of assassins marry? You know, Joe Schmoes. Like, is that a thing? I, I, you know, Mister and Mrs. Smith style. Like, uh, you know. Legion kind of mentioned it, right? They're like, "Oh, let's look into this guy. That's a little interesting. Who is he? This he was in the army they, or something." They, they say he's definitely he. All right, and as it's going forward, like, "Oh no, he he was definitely in the CIA." True, they do say that. All right, so but follow up on that. Lead it somewhere again. Again, you've you've laid it out perfectly. I, I completely forgot about it, the fact that the separation of power happened. And they would have easily been able to look up his photo yep. and figure out who he was. Yep. So, Facial again. recognition. I mean, it it was it was put out there, his face and AI and tech that Legion would have access to can in a heartbeat match those up and figure that out. Anyway. Yeah, like Legion could have followed up more on Amala's phone being tapped. They could have gotten some key piece of insight from that that ended up playing a role. They yeah. could have looked into his past. They suspect he's CIA. Well, the second you search this guy's face in anything related to a CIA database, it's going to lead you somewhere. And like little things like that were just kind of left dangling. So while we're on it, tracking emails, this dossier that they made, all the things Legion can do, Bitcoin transfers, where is Marcus Dumond. Mm. He could track any and all of this. And where's Stephen Rapp? If it's Bitcoin, Stephen Rapp is both a geeky tech nerd and a multi-billionaire. He's got to be dealing with cryptocurrency. If you're going to name drop a bunch of people, make it Marcus. Make it Marcus. I've always said that Stephen's been way underutilized in these stories. Agreed. Like He's such an interesting, compelling character. And he's only actually been in a couple – like. 
maybe four chapters of this entire series mentioned in, I think in every book, but, um, physically at only in whenever, um, is it in the same time when Irene gets to the same book when Irene gets taken, he shows up and he's there when they attack the house, right? I think so. Yeah. He was actually physically in a few chapters. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. But the fact that Marcus was Marcus even mentioned in this book, he might have gotten the most shallow, like in passing mention. But I, no, no, he's 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 a ghost. Was he? He was in the last one, so he's at the CIA. He he's still working for Kennedy, or was as of Enemy at the Gates. He got to do at least a minor role there. Why not? Why not so have him back there's, in the story? There's these all these scenes or all these references to the fact that both Hargrave and the head of the secret service are pillaging all the rank and file employees of any connection with Irene and rap. Oh, so therefore they, they would have known that Marcus was loyal to them. They threw him out. So he would have got thrown out. So therefore he should be in Uganda, you know, or he should be helping them, you know the fact that he's he, he's he subs it's at the top of the list beside like right underneath Scott in terms of, all right this guy the CIA was loyal to 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 Mitch and Irene we're firing him first or, or we're sending him somewhere and then he would have left of his own volition and gone to work for Irene Irene would have taken him right to Nicholas Ward and said make this your number one tech guy everything you do for your companies yeah, he's, he's, he's your, your your CIT yeah you know yeah whatever. why haven't we seen that I I don't know. He's got to be working for Nicholas Ward, though, right? He's got to be. That's a question. We got. We got to ask Kyle. Where was Marcus? You know, it could be like a values proposition thing. You know, like people hate like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whatever. It could be like Marcus is of this ilk that he'll never work for those guys, like the tech gurus. You, he just has like a different philosophy of approaching tech and the modern age than where a lot of these autocratic leaders of multi-billion dollar companies are going so maybe there's a philosophical falling out where he wouldn't work for nicholas but irene would have to stick with him like and when they got to trace phones and stuff or or trace these emails like he kept being written off that oh these are untraceable emails okay like what is this hillary clinton's hard drive like get marcus on it <laughs> yeah no i know i know because at the same time, you have this character who has been shown to be able to do this stuff, but then you say that no one can do this stuff. So it just doesn't, it doesn't jive. So. Yeah. And where's Fred Mason, right? Fred Mason for president. I'm making those buttons still. So he's got a couple. They didn't out. need any X-Fills. They didn't need any X-Fills. Uh, he should have been the, the pilot of that plane. That took Sadie. That dropped the bomb. Oh no! Or yeah, or or the pilot of the plane that took Sadie. But again, they those were no, those were Nicholas Ward's people. Yeah, I feel like he would have just been on Nicholas Ward's payroll at, at this point. So yeah, you know, since you mentioned the purge, the Great Purge, another little funny detail—not funny, but a very telling detail by Kyle—that could absolutely be in the, a storyline down the road. When you're getting rid of and purging people from both government positions, intelligence positions, and security positions like the Secret Service, and you're having turnover that fast, you're bound to be letting in some sketchy people. Everyone who works for Ward Security in the Secret Service has a foreign accent. Right. 
that might be the seeds of something to come because, man, you can't just overhaul agencies like that and completely get rid of people. You don't know who you're replacing them with, especially if you're doing things that quickly. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. There might be some infiltration going on, you know, like major plants. You know, this could be some illegals, you know, planted for the long term. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. I mean, illegals, not in a migration sense, but in like a Soviet Union, you know, planting sleeper agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I know what you meant. I know what you meant. All right. Did I have any other uh, off the cuff questions like that? Oh, I got one. Have you ever ridden an elephant? No, I have not. Have you ever gone sledding down sand dunes? No, I have not. And well, maybe we'll have to do that. Maybe it'll be a business expense. You know, that's what I'm going to ask Kyle. Has Kyle ever ridden an elephant or gone sledding down sand dunes? He's got to in order to like put those in there, have firsthand experience, right? <laughs> Final thing, is Joe Maslick underappreciated in the Mitch Rap pantheon of heroes? He's the underdog, man. You know, I, Maz had a, had that falling out with Rap, right? With uh, when he fucked up the the one op in 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 Egypt or or, right. or Morocco, Morocco where he froze exactly. I think yeah. that that op is mentioned. Isn't there a callback when someone's okay when Joe Maslick yeah, is told he to says, do the sniper thing? They say he gave him a bag of money and said you have to be in charge of this brothel. Go yeah. buy a brothel. It was, it was re- in Morocco. Yeah. It was related to 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 that op. I think that yeah, could be a deep cut. Yeah. yeah, that could have been a deep cut. But yeah, so he had a little falling out with Mitch. He kind of froze. He never really wanted a leadership position, but he's still living in Manassas. So he's he's loyal, faithful. He's a friend. He does the sniper thing, willing to get himself arrested. And when he flips off that drone, well, and then he's eating the burger when the guys surround him with assault weapons, just he's he's a class act. And then he takes uh, Dr. Hornig to make sure that she can't be used by the cooks to interrogate rap. Joe Maslick, man, underappreciated. He is... He's a great, great character. I'm just looking at your notes here. I, I saw that uh, I, I forgot. This is a funny line that Kyle put. But uh, Sadie is known as Victoria's secret, secret agent. <laughs> yes, yes. The Victoria's secret agent. That was pretty funny. And the funny thing is both Irene say that, I think, at one point, And then Claudia uses that to, like, poke at Mitch. She's actually a little suspicious if... You know, part of the act is if it's got to really look like Claudia, do they have to sleep together to make that look real? Mitch was faithful, but Claudia definitely, she asked questions, put it that way. Yeah. What, Mitch says something like, she she looked good today, or like, I don't know, I, I forgot the exact line. He was but, toying uh, with Claudia. Drops a line to, to, get, to get Claudia. Um, yeah, that, that, was that was, we get a rise out of her. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, since we're just doing like cool little tidbits, here's another one. I loved how Scott was the go-between, taping the two sat phones together and putting them in a cooler so that Mitch and Irene could talk to each other. Yeah, that, that was a cool little trick that um, I hadn't thought of before. Yeah, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of little things in this, in this book that I've, I appreciated that, that I never sort of thought about before or, again, with the callbacks that I, I really appreciated. Yeah, no, I, I'll say it again. The writing in this book was, was very good. Not only the writing... George Goodell is fantastic. He he not only has to do Sadie, which is like a fake Claudia, but has to be really close to Claudia, but you have to know it's it's Sadie, not Claudia. He's brilliant there. And then perhaps my favorite, quickly becoming one of my favorite George Goodell voice characters. 
every time he does Anna. Oh my god. Like oh my god, it's so sassy and snappy and she's running a mile a minute and Claudia has to cut her off and tell her to, you know, go do her chores, but every time George Goodell speaks as Anna, I think it's delightful. Just the cadence, he's like got this Da -da 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 -da. He's just like nailing exactly how this kid would just spew everything that comes to mind. Just the train of thought, seeing Mitch getting so excited. Oh, I I'm having a great time with Anna these last few books with George. Yeah, no, George killed it. George, he's not, you know, keep coming, George. Keep it coming. All right. Well, what if you say we take the win, call this a successful episode, and uh, get to the scorecard now? Let's do it, baby. Take the win. I liked how uh, Claudia was arguing that with Mitch. Don't go after the cook. Just take the win. Take the win. Take the win. There's our uh, episode title. Take the win. Advice. I think it was Claudia. Was it Claudia or, or Irene? I think it was Claudia. When she was woman's planning. I would believe either of them saying it. Yeah. They're both women's planning. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think you can say that, Mike. All right. Am I getting canceled? All right. I'll take that back. <laughs> We've been canceled a long time ago. I'm saying that because Mitch needs some splaining. Mitch needs that voice yeah. in his head. <laughs> no, I know. It's fine. I'm just joking. All right. Well, uh, let's break it down. We got 50 points to give out to Oath of Loyalty. What are you doing for action and plot? So for action, hmm, this is tough because I got to knock it for not having a lot of action. Mm -hmm. But the action we got, I really liked, you know? The the first two scenes, this the two escapes. I, you know, I, one of them is my favorite part of the book, and then the this the little bit of little bit of Legion action, the little bit of um, action with the down in Guatemala. I, I thought that scene was was very cool. I don't know. I guess I'll settle at an eight. Hmm. Okay. I'll agree with you. The action we got was amazing. Rap escaping Manassas, the shootout in the house in South Africa, the Guatemala scenes, Joe Maslick with the sniper. It was quick. It wasn't really action, but getting the president rushed off stage. That stuff was just a whole lot of fun. And I will even consider the final scene action because you're on the edge of your seat when Rap is going into the White House. We honestly didn't even cover Rap and Cook talking in the White House. That was pretty cool, by the way. How he was escorted in, all this surveillance and all this, you know, security detection. And then he gets to sit down with Cook. I was glad it culminated in that sit down. Yeah, and he gets locked up and they glue they they the glue the, the handcuffs like together because they're so afraid of him. I don't know. That was a yeah, I'm can't believe there's again, there's so much in this book. We didn't even like get a touch on everything. Kyle thought of everything. Or right, because all that though, it wasn't spread out the action too great. What was good in the very beginning was off the charts amazing, but I have to go seven. I have to go just a little lower on action. There wasn't enough in the okay. in the last half. All right. What do you got for plot, Mike? I really liked it. I really loved the complexities of it. It all felt really real. Each character played their role. I'm going to a nine. I'm going to a nine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If the action suffered, the plot carried it for me. Yeah, the plot was really good. I'm I'm gonna dig it on sort of two things. The the Legion thing, I don't know. I, and even talking through, I thought like maybe we would talk through it, and 
you would be able to sell it to me, but I'm still a little bit hung up on it. Didn't quite buy that it one needed needed to be there, or, or if, if it is going to be there, it, it needed to be a little bit more fleshed out. And I think that that's where the the whole brevity of the book, that's probably the one area where if I had to pick, besides like, you know, adding a chapter here or there just to fill out some other things, make it a longer book. But if we got like one more sort of section with Legion and throwing in some action really could have elevated it. Yeah. So I'm going to go a little bit below you. I'm going to go an eight. Okay. It, it's so incredible you say that because if you literally had one more scene of Legion doing something of consequence that involved all something, three of them. Something. And it involved some actual action or drama, conflict or clash. And you put that at like the three quarter mark of the book or the two thirds mark of the book. This would almost be a perfect book. It would come so close, but it was just it lacking really would. in a few key areas. And unfortunately, those key areas just really sunk. Yeah. Anyway. And because of that, I would have said five on buy-in, but I've got to go to four. I think those little yeah, miscues or where you lost out, I, I, I want to say it was a five because I was bought into the story. Edge of my seat. It's amazing. A book with so little action was keeping me on the edge of my seat with you know who's going to do what, where is this headed, but I got to give it a four. It didn't have that final edge, that final push that I was looking for. But I will say it's a solid four in the, it's in the sense that it four. kept me on, kept me on my toes the entire book. I thought the first the first part again wrapped up uh, Enemy of the Gates perfectly. Did exactly what I wanted to do. Didn't gloss over it at all. Well executed. Yeah, but again, it's it's sort of like we're 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 picking we're not picking it, but we're one thing is leading to the another right. to to have to ding it there spiraling. Yeah, and and maybe this has happened so many times in the rap series, so I'm not too caught off guard by it, but it's a tale of two books. I, I mean, if we were doing the scorecard... It almost is. Another one. It, it's yeah. another one. Like, what was it? Enemy at the state? Enemy of the state? We said the same thing. If we were doing the scorecard on chapters 1 through 20-ish, Chris, I'm not kidding. I would give it a perfect 50. I'm I'm 100% not kidding. If this were half a book... I would probably give this a perfect score. That's how much I loved it. The same thing I would have said for the first half of Enemy of the State. I mean, uh, it, it's just over and over again, we need the book to be a complete unit. And I don't know if that's an editing issue. I don't know. But... Or going back to our, our least favorite book, exec, Executive Power, right? That That's probably the clearest example of this two-book story where we get yeah. one section that has literally – Almost nothing, nothing to, to do, do with the second half of the yeah, book. Exactly. Uh, this one at least has like it it, it. it leads into it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe, and this is just um, again. Th- today is the day of irresponsible speculation. You know Kyle's method, where he has a really super big outline, and he kind of says what his chapters are going to do. It in. Yeah. yeah, instead of you know being the he's the uh, the planner, not the pantser kind of thing, as a writer. Does that maybe suffer here where some loose ends get lost that you don't necessarily go back to because you're thinking of like a chapter or a chunk of chapters is like this little standalone. You kind of lose the cohesive whole of someone who's just like a pantser writing as it comes. You have to connect it to what you just wrote. It has to kind of flow and, and get fleshed out. I feel like sometimes a little the chapters are just a little too disparate hanging out 
on their own that I'm lacking this cohesion. And that, that might have happened at the halfway point of this book for me. So speculation there that it's it's something with Kyle's style or editing process. I don't know. But um, little tiny things, if tightened up, could make this mm, a perfect book. All right. What about the bad guys? Yeah. What yeah. do you say? Bad guys, good guys. So taking the entirety of the cooks, right? Because they're, they're our main bad guys. Let's be honest. Uh Legion is not our main bad guy. So, you know, the cooks were a really good villain. And the jury was kind of out on them. We, we, we were, I remember talking at the end of Enemy. We, we like, couldn't, like, give a complete score on them, right? Like, is, you're right. We, we didn't quite know what was going to happen. And now I think that, like, they're pretty freaking crazy. Yeah. Um, and I'm intrigued to see where it goes because now that you've sort of, laid out the ending to me a little bit better and now i kind of understand i can kind of see or at least i hopefully see where the story was going i'm very intrigued by them i thought the other like minor villains that we sort of get interactions with you know the guatemalans and the sort of ancillary villains were interesting so uh, you know i'd I'd go a solid four and a half nice if this were just the cooks and darren hargraves I'm going five all day. Yeah, at the end of Enemy, the jury was out, you know, on the cooks, who they were going to be. Would they rise to the level of your Hank Clarks and whatnot? I think very clearly the answer is yes. yes. I, I think they they would make the top three of villains in the Mitrap series for sure. But unfortunately, the Legion stuff pulls it down. Outside of the cooks and Hargraves, I, there's no one else to hate. Legion didn't end up hating uh, so I just went with a four. I, I just had to balance that one out with a four. But I think you and I are on the same page with the good guys. Everybody from Rap to Irene to Claudia to Scott Coleman to Joe Maslick firing on all cylinders. That's a five out of five for the good guys. Yeah, and this was a real, you know, Mitch and Irene book. So when generally we talk about the good guys, we're talking about like the ancillary characters, not Mitch. It's kind of hard to like put him aside in this book with how central I mean, he's central in every book, but like here in a sense, he's even more central. And then Irene plays an even bigger role. Scott coming in, playing playing a huge role. And then Claudia, seeing, seeing Claudia. And then also you throw in a BB Kincaid and, and, and oh, Sadie. Yeah. Good guy's got to be a five. Yeah. I think if it was more Sadie and BB Kincaid heavy, like you kind of lessened Irene and Claudia's role and you increase the yeah, time. Yeah, then maybe, maybe you knock it down. That- then I knock it down. Right. Then I might be at a four, but... They were good, and I'm glad it was limited. They were just like a fourth of the book kind of thing, so I'm sticking with the five. Yep. Setting, what would you think of, oh boy, the South Africa house, the Uganda compound? I I loved it. What are you going for setting? I think I'm going to go four here. You know, I like that we go all over the place. It's It's never been Kyle's style to give us super long descriptions of setting kind of like what what uh brad does with, with his settings um but i thought it was cool you know hopping all, all over the place the description of them getting out of uganda going through through africa on the elephant ride on, on the uh ski in the sand that was cool you know, it, was, it was pretty solid it was solid four yeah i was toying with a four and a half and then a little detail came to me which made me push it to a five and dude i don't know how we didn't bring this up it, at the South Africa house, 
you feel like you're in disarray with all the construction and the utilities and you got to have this contractor come and that contractor come. Sadie is scrubbing or no, BB is scrubbing the grout. She needs perfect, you know, pattern lines matching up at 90 degree angles. I felt like that home was so real to me. And then you put it in the fight scene and the color coded walls based on what material the wall is made to know if it's bullet resistant or not, like which wall is safe to hide behind, which isn't. And then the island. I, I literally know where the pots and pans are in the island <laughs> because the Le Creuset pans, yeah. they're on the right side of the island. So that's why the bullets can't get to the guy behind because it's like a barrier. But if you draw them out to the left side of the island, you know, it's just plywood or particle board. You could shoot them through it. And then Mitch zooms across the top of the island, swings over, gets the headshot. I was there. I was literally in that house at that scene. So I'm going five out of five on setting. That plus the Uganda compound, we got a few little notes about the architecture of this really cool house. It's kind of like I could see that's where an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos would live. And to watch Kennedy get to be there living using the house. (laughs) And then Anna wants to go get one of uh, Mr. Musk's, I mean, Mr. Ward's root beers, like – Oh, I was transported. I was there and having so much fun with it. Five out of five. Rant over. All right, you're you're causing me. I'm gonna bump it up to a four and a half. Hey, there we go. There we go. All right, what we gotta we gotta judge the book by the cover now, man. We gotta judge the cover by the book. We only got one. We kind of we we did I think a whole episode on on the cover reveal, and we were super high on the cover, and I am still super high on the cover. I agree. I'm giving it I'm giving it a five. I think the cover reveal, we talked about everything we liked on the cover just from a design perspective. But this time, I'm gonna judge the cover by the book, and it's even higher. This cover screams the America the cooks are creating. It screams right. the America that Darren Hargraves is destroying. It but it still has this edge of holding on, you know, like a tattered flag, you know. Like the Star Spangled Banner, right? It's still waving. That flag is holding on because you've got Irene playing diplomat, because you've got Mitch not willing to give right. up, because you got Joe Maslick doing what he's doing. This cover captures all of that, the strength of the flag, but also the flag is not perfect. It is destroyed. It's got holes and tatters all over it, but it's still so damn solid and meaningful and bright. Ah. It's dark, but it's bright. It's glimmering. It's shimmering. It's it's a metaphor for everything that's going on in the Mitch Rapp universe, <laughs> and I love it. Five out of five. Definitely in the top five, possibly top, probably top three of favorite covers ever. I still like Enemy better. At the Gates. Enemy at the Gates. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Man, these last two covers are just killing it. Yeah, I also, I really like the lettering that they have for the Oath of Loyalty. I don't know. Like the, the lettering is, is really cool. What, whatever font they chose was, was really nice. Agreed. Yeah, no, it's a really good cover, man. It's a great cover. Great, great cover. Five out of five. What's your free space? What's the winner for you getting five out of five? Bonus points. I, I don't know how this can't be your your both of ours free space, but it's got to be the callbacks, man. <laughs> it's got to be bringing up, you know, all the way back to Transfer of Power, leading to enemy of the gates just getting all these little tidbits it was just a treat it was a pleasure i i, I really enjoyed that that's my winner 100 percent agree yeah because i gotta change it up 
I'm just going to say the dialogue in general. Mm, that's a good one. I stand yeah. by even if the action and the villain didn't totally land the plane for me in the in the latter half of the book, the dialogue kept up throughout. By far Kyle's best dialogue, best character writing, development of characters, moving their arc, putting them in situations and seeing how they respond. Absolutely brilliant. That soliloquy that Claudia gave about rapping father is just everything you could want and more. Not even to mention all the tons of quotes I couldn't even have time to read from Irene and the things she said throughout the book. Claudia and Irene, their dialogue, outstanding. Best of the best I have read in the thriller genre, by far. Five out of five. For a total of 44 points out of 50. That's pretty high, Chris. That's pretty high. Yeah, and I, we, we tied. I have 44 as well. Yes. We got there differently, but uh, we came to the conclusion. We we really like this book. I I think I sort of ebb and flow when I think about it. it, it I think that's a good thing because, one, it shows that it, it's causing the reader to be engaged. It's causing the reader to think about what Kyle meant, what, what the true intentions of the story was, massive amounts of speculation, like mm-hmm. where this is going forward in the future, in the series, in the immediate next book, in the next... 10 books, whatever. Yeah, no, and like I said, you know, my, my sort of hot take was the fact that this, this wasn't a book. This was just a really long epilogue. was meant to be what it was, it, a hot take, and I'm going to post it on Instagram, whatever, in our group chat, see see people's reactions. But I do think that it, it allowed for a reset. Mm-hmm. And if Kyle decides he's done with the cooks, he completely can. Like they, they, whatever truce that they came up with, him and Tony and, and Mitch, Irene and Catherine, we just leave that all behind. I don't think that's what's going to happen because knowing that Kyle mentions is the three book arc, that's definitely a question I want to I want to talk to talk to him about with. But it it does allow for this reset, and if we want to, in the next book. Irene could just go back and Mitch could take their place up again in, in the government establishment. And we could just go back to having Mitch and Irene doing their thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a cool, nice little reset to allow Kyle to, to pick and choose, think about long. I mean, obviously he's already, already thought about it, but to, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And, and I kind of like that sort of empty speculation. Yeah. The door's open. A reset will be refreshing, but not yet for me. I okay. I want to see Catherine Cook take advantage of this. I think she's such a well-crafted character and villain. I do not think her time has come. I think it'd be a mistake to move on and not let her steal the spotlight for a bit. But at the same time, there are options, depending on who this VP is, or if you gloss over that, depending on what the next election looks like, you could just go back to Mitch and Irene working for the CIA doing what they do. I think I'd be a little disappointed if that happens on too tight of a timetable. I I don't think this story's finished. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not Kyle. I have no say. But I think Catherine's time has still yet to come. I think her star is still rising simply because of her willpower and her cunning. 
and the resignation is not going to sit pretty with her. And I don't think she's somebody who will just sit by as the choices of her husband determine her future. I think there's more there. Yeah, no, that's what I hope for. But I, I do think it's an opportunity that I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know what Kyle's going to do. We'll have to wait another year. The whole whole year. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, a whole year. Maybe we could bug Kyle for a little couple of hints and breadcrumbs, as we like to do. Actually, speaking of Kyle, we're going to talk to him tomorrow night as of recording. We're not quite sure if you're going to hear our interview first or this episode first. So we're definitely going to have Kyle on and we are going to spoil the book with him. So anything we brought up, any of our nitpicks, any of our questions, we're going to put to the man himself and put him in the hot seat and see what he can tell us. Maybe what he can't tell us about where we're headed in a post-Anthony Cook era. Yes, and... Not only that, but we have a lot of other content coming out. As I mentioned, we had got a chance to sit down with Superfan Ben, the hashtag redneck of reason, to talk about all things Mitch Rapp, his journey from the beginning to uh, Ode to Loyalty. Uh, so check that out. Uh, we also, keeping it coming, on the Scott Harvath podcast, we got Takedown coming next. I already started that, Mike. It's 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 pretty good. You're, you're, right. you're gonna like you're gonna like it. I'm excited for that one. What, what did uh, Joseph uh, Joseph Bank? You're gonna like the way you look. I, I guarantee, guarantee you're gonna like this. You're gonna like this book. I Men's Warehouse, it. my friend. And we we still have a, a recording of True Believer. We have yet to release. We we have these saved in in the vault. We got to release it from the vault, Mike. Dude, when I can find some time to sit down and edit that one amidst all the you know <laughs> drunken wedding festivals and uh, teaching that I've been doing, but uh, we'll get down to editing True Believer and and hopefully it might take a month or so, but Savage Sun as well. That's gonna all come yes. out on No Limits, the Thriller podcast. Keep the content coming. All right, we need to thank our patrons. Our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Find us on thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, take the win.